welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. And I, and I, I want to talk about a topic. It's not going to be, I'm not going to break uh, a passage down per se. I'm going to be more of a topical teacher today. What that means is I'm going to, I'm going to move from verse to verse. I'm going to jump around a little bit. I'm going to sneak around uh, the, you know, the walls of scripture. If you, if, if you could say that, I'm going to sneak around. I'm going to do, I'm going to jump around a little bit, but I know that God is going to speak to you today. And I want to talk about a topic that I believe is so important in this season and is actually based upon a dream that I had last Saturday. So if you're taking notes, write this title down. Write this title down. My title is Revive the Tongue. Revive the Tongue. And my subject is You Are What You Say. You Are What You Say. We are in a season where we have every opportunity because of what's going on to speak death to speak negative, to speak the realities and the facts, which, which honestly are, are there and they're not to be ignored. But those realities and facts that are around you don't have to govern you, don't have to lead you. And so we have an opportunity in this season to not do the thing that it's easy for us to do in seasons like this. We have an opportunity to speak life and to say, to say out loud that good is going to come out of this season. That, you know, God gives us a promise in Romans that he will turn everything that seems bad into something good because we are called and because God loves us. He will turn that which feels bad into something good. Why? Because he's a redemptive God. So from that truth and that reality, we have an opportunity to speak life, to speak life with our tongues, the most powerful part of our body, most powerful part of our, our body. And, and the reason why my subject is you are what you say is because last Saturday, which was, you know, last Saturday night coming into Sunday morning, uh, which really, I guess when you, you know, dream at night, most of the time it's the morning. So Sunday morning, technically I had this dream and uh, I'm going to give you the basics of the dream. Now, if you've been tracking with us on our, we've done now three, three dream conversations, two on Instagram live with Jamie Galloway, a good friend of mine from Nashville, and one uh, Facebook live with um, uh, Jamie Galloway as well. And all three of them were talking about dreams. And so I don't know if you had a chance to watch any of those. Um, I have made a little bit of a a small clip um, on my Instagram page, but as well as it's still up, I believe, on Jamie Galloway's page. But we talked about dreams and breaking down dreams and what it it means to interpret our dreams. I believe uh, in seasons like this, more than ever, we need to, to get a hold of the importance of pursuing understanding of our dreams when we don't understand them. God speaks through dreams. It's what I think it's one of the best ways that God can communicate to us. Why? Because we're not talking. Everything stops. We're silent. 
He can get our attention. He can drop pictures and images and thoughts and scenarios and visions. Visions really in the night to get a hold of our spirit, to unlock things in our life, to show us the future, to show us the journey ahead, to warn us about things to come. And so I want to encourage you to get, to, to get into this a little bit more in this season. But I had a dream, and I'm going to break, break it down for you a little bit. I had a dream last Saturday, Sunday morning technically. And in the dream, I was in this what felt like a healing warehouse. It was like a, a warehouse that I know uh, had healing rooms in the warehouse. I knew that it was a center of healing. There was a place of healing. And that represents, you know, your location in the dream often represents one of the main focuses of the dream. And so I know in the dream, the dream theme, so to speak, was around God healing the heart, God healing people. And so I'm in this warehouse and I, I see this gentleman and his name was Emmanuel. Now, um, this, is, this is a symbolic uh, representation of one of God's names because one of God's names, and you can read it, it's actually in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God, in the Hebrew, God with us. So here I am, I'm in this healing room warehouse, knowing that it's about healing. I see a cross for me, God with us. I know it represents God in the dream. God is with us. And here's the thing. Um, the thing that I did next after I saw this gentleman named Emmanuel is I started to have a conversation with him. And he spoke to me and he said to me, he said, Sean, he said, you are what you say. You are what you say. And it really hit me. And then he said these words right after. He said, life produces life. You are what you say. Life produces life. Now, John 6, verse 63 says, it's the spirit that gives life. Spirit reproduces spirit. Life reproduces life. Jesus said those words when I speak to you. He says they are spirit. It said that they, it's, it's his words he said in John 6, 63 and 64. It's when I speak to you, my spirit turns into life. Spirit reproduces life. Spirit reproduces spirit. The flesh counts for nothing. That's what Jesus said. So when I speak to you, my words are spirit and they are life. Life reproduces life and you are what you say. These words really hit me in the dream. And this is the thing. When you're in a dream and you're having the dream and you're getting understanding of the dream while you're in it, you know it's really important. Not that other dreams aren't important, but there's something about the now, the awareness of the weight of the dream. When you're in the dream, when you're having the dream and you're getting the interpretation or understanding of the dream while you're in it. So I have this happen to me. And in the dream, right after he said life produces life, I began to argue, in, in a sense, with Emmanuel, and I said to Emmanuel, I said, I said, but so-and-so over here knows my heart. So-and-so knows my heart. And then a few more things happened, and I woke up. Now, I know in the dream when God began to speak to me, and then when I woke up, God began to continue to speak to me about the reality that in this season, one of the things that God is doing in and through us is he's healing us to no longer justify our words or our actions with the hopes that somebody will know our heart. But here's the thing, that we're going to be healed into a perspective where we get a revelation of the power of our tongue, that everything that we say truly is a reflection of what's already in the heart. 
And so this was like a, almost like a rebuke slash correction. And I feel what God is saying in this season to all of us in this season. I believe I represented in the dream, I represent the people of God. I represent what God is doing, the prophetic voice, the voice. This is also a part of interpreting dreams that you aren't always you in the dream. And I knew in the dream that all of us were moving into a season where in, during quarantine where God is reviving the tongue, this revelation of the power of our tongue and that we are what we say and that what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of the heart and no longer can we excuse what we say to, in, in front of people to say, well, they know my heart. They, they know where my heart's at. No, how about we pay more attention in this season to what we say because we have an opportunity to say a lot of bad things, a lot of negative things with all the stuff going on. But we have an even greater opportunity in this season to speak life, to speak um, um, uh, wholeness and healing and health and to speak positive and to speak good things about this season over your marriage, over your spouse, over your kids, over your workplace, over your job, over your managers, your leaders, over the government, over you know, the economy. We have an opportunity to speak life where death is knocking at our door. And so we're talking today about reviving the tongue, reviving the tongue, and I believe God wants to heal us. And, and in this season, we're gonna see that life produces life. And as we speak life, we're gonna see the results and the outcomes of, of that life in our life, in Jesus' name. Now watch this, I wanna read a, a passage to you. Like I said, I'm gonna jump around a little bit, um, but there's one main passage that I really wanna read to you uh, I believe it's powerful. It's written out of the Passion Translation. Actually, a friend of mine, uh, somebody that was at uh, a very special moment in Michelle and I's life who laid hands on us and ordained us spiritually out in Pasadena, this guy that wrote the Passion Translation, Brian Simmons. Uh, this is out of the Passion Translation. I want to read it. James chapter 3, verse 1. Let's read it together. And uh, I'm, I'm, I might skip some verses, so just track with me here, okay? Verse 1, chapter 3 says, my dear brothers and sisters, don't be so eager to become a teacher in the church since you know that we who teach are held to a higher standard of judgment. We all fail in many areas, but especially with our words. Yet if we are able to bridle the words we say, this is so powerful, if we are able to bridle the words we say, we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way, and that means our character is mature and fully developed. Now, let's just stop there for a second. What the writer is saying, what James is saying in chapter three here, is, is that if you can control this tongue, and begin to control what comes out of your mouth, okay? If you can control what's out of your mouth, you have the ability, because it's the most powerful thing in your body, the most powerful tool in your body, and it can bring life or death. If you could control and bridle what comes out of your mouth, it's a representation or a demonstration that you have an ability to control every other area of life, and not in an unhealthy way in control, but just to be able to manage your life effectively. Some of the most unmanageable people on the planet are those that run their mouth and don't control their tongue, okay? Now let me, just, let me just continue on here. I love how it continues on in verse two, and we're still on verse two. It says, you can control yourself enough uh, to control ourselves in every way, and then it says this, and that means our character is mature and fully developed. I don't know about you, 
But this is a, a, an overwhelming reminder, and I would say even correction rebuke from, the, from, from God in this season, that maturity and a fully developed character are a reflection of a controlled tongue, of a, of a revived perspective of the power of your tongue. Why? Because you are what you say. What you say is a reflection of who you are. Okay, so I want to be fully developed. I want to be fully mature. I know that's the heart cry of most people out there. And my prayer for you today is that God would literally like give, give you a revived tongue, that he would shift your tongue from speaking death to speaking life in this next season so that you can experience new life in a powerful way. Listen to verse three. Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that they can control and guide their large body. And the same way, and the same with mighty ships, though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. I love that. Verse, it continues on in verse five. Just think of how small a flame can, or think, think of how a small flame can set a huge forest ablaze. And the tongue is a fire. It's powerful, you guys. Something so small. And he, there's an illustration connected to this, this massive ship and the ship being driven in various directions through a small little rudder, you know, steering the wheel of this massive thing. Something so small has the power to change the direction of something so massive. This is why James says it's the most powerful, in the Passion Translation, the most powerful part of the body, but also the most dangerous, the most dangerous. Just like, you know, the, the, he talks about, you know, the, the, the horse and how these strong horses, they're, they're turned, you know, either way through the, the bridles in their mouth so that they can control, so that the, the rider can control the direction of the horse. Okay, let's continue on. I'm going to jump now. I'm going to jump to um, verse 9, verse 9, verse 9, chapter 3, verse 9, just for time's sake here. I'm going to jump down here. You can continue reading it on your own time, but verse 9, we use our tongue to praise God our Father, and then turn around and curse a person who is made in his very image. Verse 10, out of the same mouth, we pour out words of praise one minute and curses the next. My brother and sister, this should never be. This should never be. In the next two verses, he continues on to draw more illustration about, you know, can, can fresh water and bitter water come from the same spring? And he talks about... You know, he continues to draw more illustrations on this. And I encourage you to kind of dive into this a little bit. But I believe in this season, God wants to give us understanding of the power of the small things in our life. That the smallest things in our life actually are often the most powerful things in our life that end up directing our life and bringing some form of self-destruction. You know, the people always say, what's, what's you know, marriage 101? What's, what's the greatest... Um, encouragement or tool or counsel that you have for a successful marriage. People always say communication. Why? Because communication can either be something that actually builds up and unifies and, um, and encourages and creates more synergy in a marriage and unity in a marriage, or it can be the very thing, whether it's a lack thereof or bad communication, that can 
destroy a marriage, can break it down, can divide it. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 15 that a house divided against, against itself cannot stand, you know. And often the reason why marriages break down, relationships break down, um, business relationships break down, employee relationships, friendships break down is because there is an inability to communicate in a healthy way. The tongue is not controlled. The tongue is, is, is just, it's ran. They, they, people just say what they want to say out of the emotion. Listen, you guys, if you were to say everything you thought all the time out of your emotion, you probably wouldn't have a lot of friends. That's a reality. So controlling our tongue is not holding back uh, uh, in, in, an, in an unhealthy way. It's actually a sign of maturity and a sign of wisdom. Now, I'm not saying that you don't, you shouldn't find, you know, people and, and atmospheres to process. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when the tongue is speaking things that are are, are unhealthy, are causing destruction, or gossip, things that aren't building people up, you know, just weird, stupid, filthy, dirty language that doesn't help anybody in the end. Like when you say those things, it's not building people up. So what is it doing? It's probably doing a little bit of damage, even if you don't see it. So I believe in this season, God is reviving the tongue and he's giving us a revelation that we are what we say. Proverbs 18 Chapter 18, out of the New, uh, New Living Translation, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19 to 21. Actually, I'm going to jump into verse 20. Verse 20, it says, uh, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. In some translations, it would say it like this. The power of the tongue is life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. The fruit, the outcome of what you say, you will experience in your life, whether it's good or whether it's bad. In your marriage, in your business, in your relationships, in every facet of life, you will have the opportunity at some point in life to reap the things that you've said. And I believe in this season, God's grace is on this season to revive our revelation of the power of the tongue so that we come out of this season with life and not with death. The reason why the Israelites did not make it, the ones that left Egypt and went into the wilderness and traveled around for 40 years, the reason why they did not make it into the promised land, you know why they died? Because they grumbled and they complained. Out of their heart, they had a bad attitude, they had a bad uh, perspective, they, um, they, they kept doubting God over and over again, unbelief, and unbelief has a way eventually of blinding people, so much so that it literally poisons the heart, creates bitter roots, and then what happens is those fruits of those bitter roots literally come out in our speech, and that's why the people that actually died because they kept grumbling and complaining. God took them out of Egypt, but God had a hard time getting Egypt out of them. There was old mindsets of slavery and bondage and, and tradition and things that they had been used to for 400 years. Now they're transitioning and they're learning and they're discovering. And although God showed himself to them over and over and over again, it was never enough. It was never enough. There was something in them that felt so entitled that they actually missed the promised land because they could not control 
their tongue. And you can see it over and over again. I mean, the rebukes were they were a stiff-necked, stubborn people, but they were grumbling and complaining. I mean, bad things happened. They would complain about Moses, complain about Aaron. Who are these people? Why do they get to be the ones that represent God? I mean, we can talk to God too. And there was complaining happening and bad things happened as a result of their constant complaining. And so here's what I, I would say to that is like in this season, I think we have a lot of opportunity to complain about maybe how slow things are going, a complain about how maybe the government's not doing the best they could. You know what? But in the end, I believe that, that the world at large is doing the best that they know how to, to do in a season they've never navigated before. And I think that we will do ourselves justice, our world justice, the church justice, by speaking life and not speaking death, by speaking the positive. You know, I'm impressed by how world leaders around the world have, have quickly navigated this. Some of them, people would say they haven't operated quickly enough, but honestly, nobody's ever navigated a pandemic before. Neither have you. So who are we to judge? And I would just say, let's guard our tongue in this season. Let's see a revival in our tongue. You know, Matthew 15 verse 11 says, what truly contaminates a person is not what's he, what he puts into his mouth, but what comes out of his mouth. That's what makes people defiled. Jesus was talking to these religious guys, the Pharisees, and they were talking about ceremonial washings and the outside. It's all about the outside, the outside, the outside, and they were forgetting about the inside. And Jesus was redirecting their focus and saying, guys, listen, you're so focused on what's coming in. You're so focused on the people around you. You're so focused on the ceremonial washings and traditions and the outside and what people view as clean from the outside. But I'm coming to introduce a new way that it's about being clean on the inside. It's about the heart and out, what, what, what actually comes out of you is what defiles you. What comes from you is what defiles you, not what goes into you. And there's so many other scriptures that I love. You know, Ephesians 4, verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Paul's saying this from jail. He's saying, guys, listen, don't like, don't waste your time saying words that mean nothing and have no no life-giving attribute to them. Focus on what is encouraging. What is encouragement? It's adding courage. That's what the word is, broken down. To add courage, to encourage, is to add courage in to someone or something, into a situation. So instead of using stupid language, he's saying use encouraging language that will build people up. Why? Because courage actually builds you up. Other language tears you down. He says, uh, the, the writer in Proverbs says in Proverbs 15, verse 4, when you speak healing words, you offer others fruit from the tree of life, but unhealthy negative words do nothing but crush their hopes. One last Proverbs verse, I love this. Proverbs 21, verse 23, watch your words and be careful what you say. I love this. And you'll be surprised how few troubles you'll have. Powerful. I mean, what if some of the greatest troubles that we have are simply, I'm saying what if, are a direct result of the negativity that comes out of our mouth day in and day out. What if? What if some of the unnecessary troubles that we're living in right now, I'm not saying quarantine, I'm not saying you know, some of the high, I'm just saying in our personal life, if you look at 
your personal life and you look at the last, let's say, 10 years, five years of your life, yeah, we all have, we all have different struggles. We all have different journeys. We all have different roadblocks to move up against and different opposition, different walls to break through. But what if, if you were to trace and think back to the last five, 10 years of some of your hardest seasons in life, I wonder, I wonder how much destructive things may or may not have come out of your mouth in that season. All of us. I think this is not, I'm not speaking to you like this is not something that, that I, I, I have to learn and go through and move through and live. I can look back in my life and say some of the hardest seasons was when I had to control my tongue the most. And I, and I can look back and say the only way I got out of those hard seasons is by speaking life. I sure did not get out of those seasons by, by continuing to wallow in the pain of it and letting that control what came out of my mouth. It did not move, I did not move forward uh, until I began to change the narrative coming out of my mouth. And I wanna say this to some of us right now, I believe that some of you are gonna come out of this dark season and hard season only because you change the way you talk. You change the things uh, that you say and how you say them. You change, you know, some of the people that have hurt you the most, the betrayals in your life. You start to speak life over them. You start to pray for them. You start to love on them. You start to send them encouraging words, even though they don't, in your mind, deserve it. What if you were to move in the opposite spirit in this season? I bet you it would not, not only do something for the person hearing the words, it would actually even do more for you and it would heal your heart. Because like I've said in the past, bitterness, bitterness has bitter fruit. Bitterness has poisonous fruit. Bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Sometimes when you move in the opposite spirit, I'd say actually all the time, and you begin to speak life where life doesn't deserve it, or that situation doesn't deserve life, it actually gives you new life. Why? Because life reproduces Life is John 6, verse 63. Now, how do we revive the tongue? How do we revive the tongue? Let's take a little coffee break here. Cheers. How do we revive the tongue? You know, I have to say this too at the forefront of this. Um, you know, I, it's very different for me. I don't mind doing, I love coming at you live in your homes. And, you know, for years we used to web stream all of our stuff live, but that was in front of a live audience with cameras. And I love it. And I think it's an amazing, uh, amazing way to reach in and extend influence and extend just sowing seeds across the world and just investing in people's lives. And I love it. And I'm so thankful that we get to do this. But I'd say now after we've been in this, like what was this week five or six or whatever it is, um, I would say I'm really missing the people. And um, for me, in a camera setting like this, I feel like I'm more um, intense, more serious. People draw out the humor in me. People, because I can't see you, I can't see your comments. I mean, I'm with three people right now. I'm with Jean, Eduardo, and Reinhardt. And they're not saying anything. They're just doing their thing. And so for me, it's like the feedback actually draws out the humor in me. So you got to forgive me. If you feel like this is intense, this is just, it's a different vibe for me, you know? And so, but I'm hoping this impacts you. I'm hoping this encourages you. I'm hoping this strengthens you. And uh, maybe you can laugh uh, afterwards. Come in the virtual lobby and we'll laugh together. Okay, how about that? But I want to give you three quick things. And, uh, you know, my, my introduction was really the most important part in that 
um, it was laying the groundwork for what it is that I'm talking about. But I want to give you three quick things that I believe are really important for us to, to navigate and to understand in this pursuit of having a tongue that's revived to new life and that our tongue would shift and what we say would shift in this season. And I want to give you three little things. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes. To revive our tongue, we have to believe. First, we have to believe. You know, Matthew 12, verse 30, Jesus says this, talking to the Pharisees, anyone, he's talking about in the context of, you know, uh, a house divided, you know, talking about people questioning, you know, how he's healing people, why he's healing people. Maybe he's healing people because, you know, uh, he's got the spirit of Beelzebub and they're confronting him on this, which is Satan, you know. So they're basically telling Jesus that he's healing people through Satan's power, okay. And it says here in verse 20, or chapter 12 of Matthew, verse 30, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. That's a very weighty thing to say, especially um, when you've devoted your life religiously to waiting for the Messiah. And now here comes the Messiah. They don't recognize him. They're blinded to him because he didn't come the way that they thought he was going to come. Did not look sound, act like they thought he was going to look sound or act. And so they're blinded. Their hearts are disconnected. And here comes Jesus on the scene, messing everything up, throwing their whole tradition on its head. And uh, he basically says, listen, if you're not with me, you're opposing me. If you're not working with me, you're actually working against me. And then he flips over to verse 33. says this, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. <laughs> That's a pretty weighty rebuke. You brood of snakes. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever, listen to this. Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. So why is believing important in reviving the tongue? Because what you believe is a reflection of what's in your heart, okay? It's like Romans 10. It says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, you will be saved, okay? This, this, this symbolic or this conversation is around what's in you in the, in the most important part of your life, the thing that gives you life, the, 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 the very organ that literally pumps blood into your system, that gives you life and a rhythm and a beat, the very thing that, that literally governs your ability to have life, okay? Out of your heart, determines whatever it is that comes out of, you, what, or out of your mouth. Whatever is in your heart, it says in verse 34, determines what you say. Write this down. Your believing determines your receiving, which determines what comes out of your mouth. What you believe determines how you receive certain things, which then de determines what comes out of your mouth. I want to, and I, I thought of this last night, I was just processing this, and I want to ask a question. It's, it's, I think it applies to all of us listening. What if our offense or our offenses, so we all get offended, you know, uh, if, you're in, if you're married, if you're in any relationship, friendship, you know, work relationship, you have a leader, a boss, I mean, there's always an opportunity to get offended in life at something, at something. What if our responses that come out of our mouth when we get offended we're really a direct result of what we believe about ourselves. What if, what if, what if 
some of the reasons I was thinking about this, and it was kind of like a, wow, I was thinking about this for my own life. What if some of the deepest offenses that I have in life, whether it's in marriage, in life, in any other relationship that I've ever had, what if some of the deepest offenses that I've had, that I've had to work through, what if my response to those offenses was a direct reflection of what I believed about myself? Because if out of our mouth, what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of what's in our heart, and what's in our heart is what we believe and value and hold dear to, what if our responses were simply a way of us looking into us, of us seeing into us, of us seeing into our own soul even deeper to say, man, maybe I believe about myself something I shouldn't believe. Maybe all the things that I respond and the way I react because of an insecurity, because of... um, a lack of identity, maybe fear. You know, your, your wife says something to you, your husband says something to you, your kids say something to you, your boss, your leader, your friend, your neighbor, whatever the case may be, says something to you and you respond and you're like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, not, it's, a, it's a tool into your own soul. I wanna leave that with you. I wanna leave you pondering that because I feel like it's powerful because whatever you say is a reflection of what's in your heart. And, you know, I've seen the other side of it. I mean, Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. That's Proverbs 4, verse 23. Keep your heart. Keep your heart. Protect your heart. Guard your heart. Guard it. Put, put not defense walls around it, but protective walls in a healthy way to make sure that the stuff that could manipulate your heart to manipulate your speech don't get in. Protect yourself, guard your heart, because out of your heart flow the issues. Some translations say the springs of life, but the issues of life. And I can tell you tons of stories where out of my, out of my faith or out of my believing in God, I've spoken things and seen incredible things happen. You know, creative miracles happen. Creative miracles. Creative miracles by simply speaking to a situation. I remember one time, you know, I was in uh, Alabama years ago, and a uh, powerful, powerful just memory and story in my own life. And I was in Alabama at a camp, and there was a whole bunch of kids swimming in this. Uh, we were ministering at the camp, speaking. A whole bunch of kids min- uh, swimming in the pool, and this kid starts screaming, like just screaming on top of his lungs. And I was one of the only leaders there at the time present, and so I went over and it, 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 he was freaking out because something was wrong with his knee. And uh, even the waves of the water were hurting it. Like, it was so bad. And the kids all stopped in the, in the, in the pool. They got, no one moved. And he pulled his leg out of the water. And his knee was coming out the side of his leg. It was, it was disgusting. It was disturbing. And the knee had totally disjointed itself. And it was coming out the side of his leg. And he was screaming at the top of his lungs. Somebody called... Um, you know, uh, I guess the, the, the medical um, uh, group or, or community or whatever, there was like on a campground, there was like a, a nurse or something, on staff nurse, somebody called that. But while they were coming, I was there with all these kids and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, speak to it, speak life to it. So I put my hand like maybe, I don't know, 
like three feet away from his knee. He had his leg out of the water. Everybody was watching. I mean, everybody, there was probably, I don't know, maybe like 15 to 25 of us in there. Actually, probably at least 25 people. And we were all watching. And I put my hand about three feet from his knee and I began to declare life and command his knee to come back into alignment. And literally within about 30 seconds, we all witnessed, literally, his knee went pop and it popped back right into place. And the kids went bananas. Like, I mean, it was like pandemonium. Their faith went from like a level one to a level 10, just like that. In a minute, in a moment, because of the, ch- the choosing to speak life, when you really believe that God wants to do something, it should be reflected in what you say. So not only do we have to believe, number two, second point, second key to uh, uh, getting us to a place where um, we can see a revived tongue in our life is to behold. Here's the reality. Whatever you believe in life, you end up beholding in life. What do I mean by that? To behold something is to to stare at something, to put all of our affections and our emotional attention and our desires and our, our eyesight, our vision towards that something. What we believe directly results in what we behold. Now, let me read a scripture to you. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What does he mean? What does Jesus mean when he says that? Whatever you most value in life, whatever you're staring at the most, whatever you're going after it the most, like think about it. What what treasure? I mean, treasure is something you're looking for. Treasure is something you're going after. Treasure is something that you're cherishing and you're holding dear to you. Whatever it is that you're pursuing in life, whatever it is that you're looking after, for some people it's money gets them in trouble. It's like, you know, when Paul said to Timothy, listen, warn the rich, he said, the love of money. The love, not, not money, money's great, money's amazing, but the love of money, it's the worship of money, it's the idolatry of money is the root of all kinds of evil, okay? So what, what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6, verse 21 is where you put the most value in life is where your treasure is, and wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. What did I say in, in, in point one? Wherever your heart is is where you believe, okay? Where your heart sits is where your belief is, okay? So what you believe, you behold, because what you behold is a reflection of what you believe. You follow me? Because beholding is a result of where your faith is leading you or where your belief systems are leading to you. So if you, if you believe that money is the answer to everything, then money is going to be your treasure and there your heart will be and it will get you into trouble. That's what happened to Judas. Got him into trouble majorly. He ended up killing himself in the end because of what it did to him. So here's the thing. What we believe, we behold. Whatever you believe, you behold. It's what you most value, what you treasure the most in life. So my question is, what are you looking at in this season? What are you looking at in this season? If you want to trace back, if you want to bring yourself back to what do I really believe, look at what you're looking at in this season. If you're looking at... um, all the what could happen, if you're looking at all the anxiety, if you're looking at all the fear, if you're looking at all the, the negative, the, you become just so cynical in your attitude towards life, you're looking at all the things that bad things that are happening are going to happen, it's probably a reflection of where your faith is at and what you believe. Because once again, what you believe determines what you behold and what you look at, which is why we got to get back to this simple place 
of self-awareness, Holy Ghost self-awareness of what's coming out of my mouth in this season. Well, it's a reflection of what I believe, but what I believe is what I behold. And number three, number three is become, is become. What you believe determines what you behold, and what you behold, what you look at the most, determines what you become. And what did we say in the beginning? You are what you say. You are what you say. The whole goal of this season is to become something better than you were before this season. What you believe determines what you behold, and what you behold determines what you become. Paul said it the greatest. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, out of the New King James Version, he says this, but we all, with an unveiled face, now he's talking about, talking about how in the, under the old covenant, the not-so-good covenant, it was good, but the new covenant being that much more glorious, that much more good, that much, that much better, he's saying Moses had to come, he had to wear a veil on his face because the people, because the glory of God would be so on Moses that the people couldn't stand to look at Moses. It was so strong. So he had to put a veil on his face. Now it says, under the new covenant, but we all with an unveiled face, because we all have access now to God. This is why it's good news. It's a better covenant. Jesus came to introduce a better covenant, a better way, okay? It's called the good news. He says, with the unveiled face, he says, beholding, 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 as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, okay? So he's beholding as in a mirror. He's looking at something reflective, okay? When you look at Jesus, it reflects something back on you. This is the picture. Moses had this encounter with God all the time, this ongoing encounter. He comes down from the mountain, Mount Sinai. He's, the glory of God is on him. It's reflected on him. Therefore, the people can't look on him because it's so intense. The God's power and God's grace and God's glory, his weighty glory is so on him. They can't look at him, so he has to veil his face. That's the old covenant. New covenant is the veil has been torn. The veil has been lifted. Follow me here. The veil has been lifted. It's a better covenant. So now we with an unveiled face look as in a mirror the same glory that Moses looked at, okay, the glory of the Lord, and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, let me just give you a, 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 a breakdown of this verse for you, okay, a little bit better. So what Paul is saying is the new covenant, we look at God now, and we behold God now, and because we are able to behold God, with not like Moses did in a different way, we all have access, okay? As we behold God, it actually says here, Paul says, and it transforms us. As we behold his glory, we are being transformed. We are becoming something. We are becoming the better version. We are becoming the right version of ourselves. We're becoming the God-intended version of ourselves that he'd always planned for us to become. I hope you're getting this. I hope you're getting this because this is the key to reviving the tongue. When you believe right, you behold right. And when you behold right, you become. So it's in beholding that you become the person transformed body, soul, and spirit that you are called to become. And when you become it, guess what happens? It changes what you say. It changes what comes out of your mouth. Your narrative, what you think about, everything begins to change. My prayer in this season for you is that you would so encounter God in your life during quarantine 
and I know you've heard me say this over, probably over and over again. I can't not give this to you during this season. I can't not give this to you. I have to share these, these keys because in the end, this whole season is a setup for reviving you. It's a setup for reviving you. You have enough negative information out there, enough negative facts, realities. I mean, we're all in this together, especially in our province in Canada and Ontario. It seems like we're going to be one of the last ones to shift things. But God has something so good to give us out of this, something so powerful. But I believe one of those major things is to change the way we talk coming out of this, change what we say.